Well, good morning. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, do be praying for your pastor. I, I love your pastor, Ronnie and Angie. What a blessing they've been. We've been watching from the distance and enjoying what God is doing here. And, and uh, we are just so pleased with our home church of what God is, is uh, allowing to take place here. Several years ago, Actually, a number of years ago, I was in between business world and ministry world, and the Lord allowed me to go preach at some little country churches. This is kind of how we were trying to put food on the table, and so I would go anywhere they would allow me to come and get me a check for $75, and that would be a meal for the week, you know. And uh, I remember going to several churches. You know, if they liked you, they'd call you back, and so I would go to another church and, and uh, several times, you know. And so I remember being at this one particular country church, I've been there a number of times, and and uh, I, our younger son was was with me. And uh, as we're sitting there, and you know, when you go preach uh, w- a visiting preacher, you bring the sermon you've already written. Did you know that? You know, and if you're preaching at multiple churches, you got three or four good sermons, and you're ready to go. So as I was sitting there, I was think, looking over the text. I'm like, Nathaniel, I think I preached this last time I was here. <laughs> Ooh, that'll scare you, right? When you get a text at 6.30 on Sunday morning asking, can you come because the pastor's sick, you don't get an original message, just so you know that, all right? <laughs> I just hope I haven't preached this one here, all right? What do you do when you know you're supposed to do something, but it isn't going to be easy? You know it's going to stretch you, and honestly, you may not even want to do it. It could be in your personal life. It could be in your professional life, maybe in the church. could be in a relationship. What do you do when you know you're supposed to do something? It isn't going to be easy. It's going to stretch you, and honestly, you may not even want to do it. You know, I'm convinced sometimes we never accomplish what we wish we could or would Because the obstacles ahead of us appear bigger than our motivation and our heart to move forward. With every change we've made in ministry, the discernment process was difficult. It was a wrestling period. It's always been a huge step of faith for us. I wish it wasn't that way. It was that way when we agreed moving back from Dallas to come here. I've uh, often said peace comes through obedience. The longer you walk with Christ, the more you may have to step into the water before he begins to part that water. But what do you do when you know you're supposed to do something, but it isn't easy, it's going to stretch you, and honestly, you may not even want to do it. I I love when the Bible helps us in those seasons of life. The story I want to consider this morning is in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, if you want to be turning to that, use your table of contents if you need to. Before we look at it, would you pray with me? God, these are your people, and this is your church. We do pray for the pastor here to be well. But Lord, in this moment, we look to you. And would you allow those who have ears to hear, in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. 
Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram was a rival uh, nation of Israel to which God had, uh, God's people belonged. Naaman was such a, a great guy that God was blessing the nation through this guy. And, and, and here's the deal. At this point, he's not even a follower of God. Naaman was probably brilliant, brave, successful. Names had a lot of meaning uh, in those days. And based on Naaman's name, we, we can assume that he had an attractive personality. People liked to be around him. But Naaman had a problem. And in this culture, it was a really big problem. Naaman had leprosy. Leprosy was common in that day, but it, was, it, it carried with it a stigma. Now, we know intellectually now that you can't sit next to somebody and catch leprosy, but, early, but it, it, in those days, it was freaking people out. Naaman had no doubt, even with all his charisma, making some people feel weird just to be around him. Leprosy was systemic. It didn't just affect the skin. It, it controlled, began to control even the vital organs. Starts on the inside and works its way out to where you see it. Because of this, the biblical symbolism of leprosy is an example of sin. Sin starts in the heart and then it works its way out to the actions that we see. And although we aren't looking at it from that context today, this story is actually an Old Testament illustration of salvation. But slapping Naaman with a, a title of a sinner wouldn't have worked for him. It won't work for some of your friends, by the way. We'll see, because of his pride, he wouldn't have worn it very well. But look at verse 2. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the, the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore, the king of Aram said, go and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. Naaman's wife had a, an Israelite slave working for her. Being an Israelite meant she was from a people that worshipped God. Because of this, she'd heard of God's chief prophet of the day, a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah was doing all kinds of miracles at that point, and he was making a name for himself. He even brought someone back to life. But when I think about that slave girl, I'm reminded of an important principle in the kingdom of God. This insignificant, unknown slave girl held a key position in the kingdom of God. Don't dismiss seemingly insignificant people because there are none. 
There are no B players in God's economy. We're all on the A team. Your place here, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've done, regard, your place here is huge if you will allow God to work through you. Everyone here has a purpose. Thankfully, unlike most leaders of the day, Naaman listened to this young girl. But remember, he was desperate. And sometimes we have to get into a desperate situation before we're willing to do anything about it. So they sent a letter to the king of Israel. This was a very stressful time in Israel. Naaman was having literally more success than the king of Israel at the time. King was trying to hold the country together, and then he gets this request. Plus, Naaman was a warrior. If the king couldn't help him, he would, might be at risk. Life's kind of like that, though, isn't it? I mean, you, just when you get through one calamity, another calamity comes along. One calamity seems to pile itself on another calamity. That's what's happening to the king. Look how the king replies, verse 7. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Recognize that he is only picking a fight with me. The great philosopher uh, Mike Tyson once said, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I, I know the feeling. We were pastoring several years ago in Lexington, Kentucky, and things couldn't have been any better at the time. We were enjoying enormous growth, and God was just really moving, and we were adding services. And all of a sudden, this church reached out to us and and wanted to hand us their building for another campus. I can't take on this stress. And I'm just being honest with you. There was a season there where we had been praying for God to do things like that. And when it happened, it, honestly, just looking into my soul a little bit, anxiety started to take over. I, I'm so thankful for the people in our church that prayed us through that season. And let me just tell you, as great as things are around here, do you know the enormous weight that is on every pastor in America today? Please be praying for your pastor daily, not just today. Never felt a, the weight is larger than you know. But remember, it, it was really Elijah whom the slave girl suggested name and see. So verse 8. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Then Elijah sent him a messenger who said, Go watch seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. Now keep in mind, Naaman is a very powerful man, practically royalty at this point in his career. And so he traveled with a caravan, his own army of sorts. And, and, and try to get the picture of what's taking place here. He arrives at Elijah's house. Elijah wasn't royalty. He was just a preacher. And this wealthy, important leader comes to the door. And Elijah didn't even come to the door. Did you catch that? 
Elijah sent a messenger. I think he was testing Naaman's pride here. And you know, God will test your pride, test mine. But then comes the part I I want us to focus on today, verse 11. But Naaman got angry and left saying, "I, I was telling myself he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over this, the place and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in rage. You would think as badly as Naaman wanted to be healed, as long as a journey as he had taken, he would have tried anything. But when we step back and look at the life of Naaman, we see that as pretty as he was before leprosy on the outside, Leprosy wasn't really his biggest problem. That was actually curable. Naaman's biggest problem was pride. Independence. That gets a lot of us in trouble. Naaman had been successful at everything he'd ever done. Why would he listen to a lowly preacher... A lowly prophet. Naaman probably expected Elijah would ask him to do something great. You climb that mountain. You conquer that, that, that mountain. You bring me back the rock, a rock from the top of that mountain. And you'll be saved. You'll be healed. But jump in the Jordan River seven times. Now, you've got to understand something to understand this story. Um, Naaman came from, from a place where the rivers were considered magical. They were considered healing rivers. They were, they were places everyone wanted to be. The Jordan River emptied into the Dead Sea. I've been to the Jordan River. I've baptized people. And when you're in the Jordan River and you're baptizing people, people start sending more people to you. You know, here's somebody baptizing them. They're sending them in. And I'm just waiting to get out of that water because it's nasty. It's like on a, on a really hot summer afternoon and you're standing right between the Red River and the Cumberland River. Got the picture? To get in that river was considered dirty, especially for a man, an important man like Naaman. It would have been a huge insult. Naaman was probably thinking, look, leprosy is not that bad. He actually leaves furious. I told you ultimately this is a story of, of, of salvation. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And see, a a Christian life is ultimately about our insufficiency and our dependence on Christ. That's a hard learning curve for most of us to get to. Here's something that that you probably, you may not know about me. I struggle with what I want to do versus what God wants to do. Just being honest. I I really just want to do what I want to do. Now, we don't often admit that, but the truth is God's way isn't necessarily always my way. I wouldn't have picked that that path. I'm selfish enough to, to want to do what I want to do. But you see, I can't get where I need to be 
until I met where I am today. You got to know where you're starting from. And the fact is, if God isn't calling you to things that you don't completely understand, things that stretch you out of your comfort zone, maybe even make you very afraid, then you aren't having to walk by faith. And without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Notice Naaman's servants don't simply watch as their leader walks away, verse 13. But his servants approached and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do when he only tells you wash and be clean? This is an unusual setting in in this day for Naaman's men to speak into him in that way would have been rare. You didn't question a leader's authority or judgment. Probably shows the kind of relationship he had with his his, uh, servants. Thankfully, Naaman had people who cared about his future welfare enough to speak into his life, even though it was awkward. It leads me to ask, Do you have friends like that that will speak into your life when you're going the wrong direction? And let me ask another question. Do you have, are you that kind of friend? Do you have neighbors that you know, you love them, but as far as you know, they don't have a relationship with you, with with Christ? Well, Naaman had his instructions. He had his encouragers. The question is, would his pride lead him or his sense of doing what he wanted to do or would he do what, what he had been commanded to do? In fact, the real question all of us must answer when we're searching for the wisest, wisest decision is who am I going to trust the most? And if God's wisdom contradicts what I want to do, my vision for my life, if God's command contradicts, who am I going to trust the most? Will I trust him? Well, let's finish this story and see what happens with Naaman. Verse 14. So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of the, of the man of God. Then his skin was restored, and he became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him, and declared, I know there is no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. Naaman was a new man. But he had to humble himself to follow the wisdom of God, the command of God, to receive the blessing of God. Of God. Uh, it's not our ultimate focus again, but I told you this is a picture of salvation. And remember, to get rid of the leprosy, the inside of a person had to be changed. Otherwise, it would just come back later. Naaman had to do what seemed unnatural, uncomfortable, even against his will. And ultimately, that's what faith requires us to do. It'll always stretch us, it'll always take us into an unknown. Listen, I'm so proud of this church and this season that you're in with Pastor Rains, Pastor Ronnie. I truly believe some of your best days are ahead. I, I watched as the service over in the old um, uh, uh, worship center happened, and Brother Roger was up there, and, 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 uh, and Pastor Ronnie. 
what unity you're experiencing right now. What a blessing that is for a church. I understand you're going to hold a one-day offering in October and try to pay off the debt. I hope you'll be faithful to that. I heard a quote once, every organization is perfectly suited to get the results it's getting right now. And here's the reality. You've got big days ahead as a church. I told Pastor Ronnie when he was praying about coming here, you have an opportunity to be this community's pastor. This community needs this church. I'm not saying it's the only church, but it's an important church. Always has been. What would it look like for a church to be totally committed to the will of God? Wouldn't you like to see that? But this is just not an application of, of, of your life as a church. There's an application in your personal life in this story. You see, mediocrity is a choice, but so is excellence. That's true in organizations, it's true in churches, it's true in your spiritual life. The reason you can have joy, joy, joy down in your hearts, even in the midst of seasons of, of the unknown, is, is that our faith is not in an unknown. That's right. Our faith is in a person. He's mysterious at times. He asks us to do things that stretches at times. But he's real. And he's got the whole world in his hands. On the other side of this story, if you were to ask Naaman, Naaman, was it worth it? Was going down there in the Jordan and dunking yourself seven times, that messy old water, was it worth it? What do you think Naaman would have said? Absolutely, without question. You know, we have some followers of God in this room with the same testimony. That God called them to something. He asked them to do something. They didn't want to do it. It was scary and they weren't sure that, that it was going to turn out. But they trusted God anyway. All right. And it turned out even better than they could have predicted. Much of what God calls us to do will not make sense at first. Following God seldom makes sense to people who are not following God. We often ignore God's voice if it isn't necessarily what we want to hear. But being obedient to God, following his plan for our life, is always going to be the best thing in the long run. Every single time. Cheryl, that's a message for you and me right now, isn't it? Remember the opening question, what do you do when you know what you're supposed to do, but it isn't going to be easy, you know it's going to stretch you, and honestly, you may not even want to do it. Well, if you know it's God calling you, you run to it as fast as you can. You don't delay, you act now. In fact, every moment you resist and wait is a moment you're missing out on all God wants to do in your next season. Here's the bottom line application of this story. Naaman had to make a choice. And he was the only one that could make this choice. Was he willing to take the risk and trust God? And you and I have the same choice to make. Will we be willing to risk everything? for the opportunity to be blessed of God. 
Every place God stretches us, he hopes to fill with his glory. But when God calls you, will you and I be found faithful? We're going to have a time of response. Go ahead and stand. And if Jesus paid it all, that means the price is paid for you. And if Jesus paid it all, that means you can trust him even in this moment of your life. I don't know what you're going through, but you can trust him in that moment. But here's the question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you placed your faith in the risen Savior to save you? And are you trusting him today to sustain you? However you need to trust him. Talk to your Father now. Let's pray. God here among people that I know and love would you speak to that one who's here today who needs to trust you in this season would you remind them even as we sing this song that you truly paid it all would you help us have a faith that sustains us we love you and we praise you in Jesus name amen as we sing you respond there are pastors here ready to talk and ready to pray